We remain standing for the reading of the gospel, Luke's gospel, the 10th chapter, beginning at verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There's need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. There are two women at the center of this story, and so I asked two women their thoughts about this story. One of them said, let me think about it, and apparently still thinking about it. (laughs) The other blurted out, Mary was lazy. Well, that surprised me. So the next day, I followed up and asked the same two people the same question. And if you figured out these might be related to me, you please don't get me in trouble. (laughs) One was still thinking, and the other blurted out, Mary needs to get off her lazy butt. (laughs) You can tell theology today might not be very deep. But I wonder if she has a point. If I'm choosing a team to build a church, and I want to have a a thriving Wednesday evening program like we do that starts with supper, I want Martha. If I want to have a wedding reception, I want Martha. If I want to clean up after some big thing here at church, I want Martha. In the ancient world, hospitality was highly valued and there were strict roles for women. Oh, yes, strict roles for men, but not nearly so restraining. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus sends out folks and tells them to accept the hospitality that's set before them. And now Martha is trying to be hospitable to all 13 of these folks who've dropped in. And she's doing it without a microwave. I think about what a modern-day Martha might have said after rattling pots and pans in the kitchen as a hint and then giving up on hints and being much more direct, marching into the room and saying, let me interrupt your Bible study a moment. There are 13 of you and one of me. What's wrong with that picture? James and John, you all are good about calling down fire on people. Why don't you go fire up the grill? And Jesus, you know, you know Simon Peter's a concrete thinker. He doesn't get half of what you say. Send him out to the kitchen. I'll give him simple instructions, and I'll use really small words. (laughs) Why does Luke include this story? In this story that we embrace Mary as blessed, 
and Martha is not so. Down through the ages, there has been this split of the two. And today, Mary is a model for women in ministry. At one time, there was a movement called the Martha Movement, an English group opposing the emancipation of women. Stay in the kitchen. Luke writes of Jesus making a dangerous decision in the ninth chapter. He's going to go to Jerusalem, and there's the urgency of the task picks up. There's great change coming. There'll be the ushering in of a new era. And Luke writes of this Jesus who overcomes barriers and boundaries that keep people from belonging, that keep them apart from each other, that keep them from healing, that keep them from the community of faith. But Luke is also writing to a generation of believers, a struggling generation where Christianity was mocked as the religion of women and slaves. And their mocking betrays ancient prejudices, a caste-like system society with slaves and women at the bottom. And Luke tells a story of two women, one of whom is trying to be a really good woman by her culture's values. She's seeing to her home, seeing to hospitality, only to be insulted by Jesus and told, well, you're just too distracted. Reading today, we miss the insult. We've heard a lot of sermons shaming Mary or shaming Martha and her distractions and praising Mary for sitting at Jesus' feet. So many that we've missed the insult. I don't know about you, but I always want to be on Jesus' side. It's just safer there. And I wonder if I'm willing to come out and stand over here with Martha and be insulted by Jesus. We all have roles and identities and patterns of behavior that feel tried and true. Many of these gain the power of tradition. Many are pronounced sacred. And lots of religious voices tell us that God ordained them. Though I sometimes think they're smoking something that's illegal. (laughs) Through the ages, these sacred roles that are so limiting to others have been about the role of women. They've been about slavery. They've been about the separation of the races. They've been about the hatred of the LGBTQ community. They've been about the endorsement of the Jim Crow laws. They've been about the greed of the powerful, taking whatever they can take from everyone else, including dignity. We're okay with Jesus challenging unless it's our privilege being challenged. But evil grows this way. Her name is Sarah Teristi. In 1988, she was 14 years old, 14, when she was introduced to the most prolific sex criminal in American sports history, Larry Nassar. At a gym in Michigan, her parents took her there for gymnastics training. She may have been Nassar's first victim. 
While Nasser was the doctor, not nearly as much has been said about the coach, a man named John Geddert. Geddert's women's gymnastics team won Olympic gold in 2012. Triste says this coach created an environment of fear, shoving her, berating her, mocking her body until she lost all sense of herself, making her easy prey for a predator named Larry Nasser. She said, and I'm quoting, people don't understand how many broken girls it takes to produce an elite athlete. A coach can easily go through 300 girls or more. Dozens of others have been implicated, even indicted, for their role in Nasser's crimes, for looking the other way, for enabling, primarily for cowardice. Why? Why was this accepted? I want to suggest that perhaps the norm was winning. It mattered that you got gold. The mantra so often uttered by coaches is winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. Do we care about Olympic gold so much? Isn't that the definition of idolatry? The roar of the crowd reinforces the winning role and the immoral privileges of the few. Jesus does not ask Martha to be hostess of the year. Doesn't even ask her to be a good woman. He invites her to be a faithful follower. And whatever dehumanizes, whatever demeans people, whatever takes away the dignity of human beings, whatever makes a person less, faces the challenge of Jesus. For decades and decades, the demeaning of LGBTQ people was, just went on and on. For decades now, we've accepted a certain level of homelessness as the norm, only finding urgent concern when the wealthy and the powerful come to town for the derby. Our norms and roles and identities give us structure, but sometimes they restrict us. Here, Jesus shows us that God didn't create us to fill a role that God made you and me for love. God made us to be loved by God and by each other. And God blesses our efforts to step out of life-limiting roles and express with our very lives that God loves the world. The status quo almost always means that someone has no status in the quo almost always means that we're in danger of embracing as normative that which has become demoralizing and dehumanizing and demeaning. And without noticing it, it just becomes normal. 
whether it be physical violence or crude public discourse or racism by tweet. I read this week an interview with a border patrol agent, a 13-year veteran of the job, one who, when he signed on, did so out of a sense of, of idealism, wanting to do something good for his country. And then he was assigned to the detention center in McAllen, Texas, where hundreds of migrant children have been kept. He'd been there about a month when a team of, of court-appointed lawyers and doctors came, just this, at the end of June. And taking in the squalor and the stench of unwashed bodies, the poor health and the vacant eyes of hundreds of children, this team was just stunned. And then their anger rolled through that facility like a thunderstorm. And one lawyer emerged clutching her cell phone, yelling into the phone, there's a crisis down here, her voice trembling with rage. And at that moment, the Border Patrol agent said something had shifted inside of him and he hadn't noticed. He didn't know why she was shouting. Because, as he said, no one on the other end of the line cares. If they did, this wouldn't be happening. He returned to his duties. And he says he felt sorry for the lawyer. He says, I wanted to tell her that the rest of us have given up. He said, it's like torture in the army. It starts out with just sleep deprivation. Then the next guy comes in and sleep deprivation is normal. And so they ramp it up. Then the next guys come, ramp it up some more. And the next guys until you have full-blown torture. And that becomes the new normal. Somewhere down the line, the people just accepted what was going on as normal. And that includes the people responsible for fixing the problems. When asked whether he simply stopped caring, he said, exactly, exactly. And to a point that's kind of dangerous, he said, but once you do, you feel better. The agent's back home now, just trying to fill out his time so he can retire. But he feels as if the problems have followed him home. He said, I go to the playground with my kid and I say to myself, why am I not enjoying this? Whenever we dehumanize and degrade and demean, we are dehumanizing ourselves everyone involved, we make ourselves less. Jesus affirms Mary to be a bad woman. Her choice went against the culture that limited her and other women and just basically said, you just stay there. Stay there in your social cage. Martha wants to be a good woman, but Jesus says he wants faithful followers. 
And when culture defines good one way, and Jesus is talking about faithful followers another way, we have to choose. Mary's not just sitting at the feet of Jesus. She is jumping over barriers. She is announcing her freedom. She's saying to the women in the early church, don't be shamed by those voices. Come join me and be free. And as I look at this story, I ask myself, as I enjoy my life of privilege, I wonder if I'm willing to be insulted by Jesus. Amen.